station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, movie extremely not racist, Militia Kersher. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello? Uh, before the podcast, uh, I was warned not to make, make it racist, so I'm, I, I'm I'm going all in on not on making you not racist. And what also, the hell? Make me. Also, my co-host, not quite as not racist <laughs> as Melissa Kersher, Jenny Young. Uh, hi. Can, can I be... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I be white male privilege? White male privilege, Jenny Young. <laughs> yes. There we go. This Can we just start over? This has nothing to do with <laughs> nope. the movie that we're going to watch, and we're not going to start over because that would just be silly. So, we are here today, not that what we just did wasn't silly, but anyway, the point is, we are here today to talk about the movie Jackie Brown. So, Jenna, as always, we ask you, what do you know about the movie Jackie Brown? It is a Tarantino movie. It is a Tarantino movie, as in directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Okay. And I am a huge fan of Tarantino movies, and this has been on my list for, like, forever, and never got around to it. Um, So... I know that it's Tarantino. And uh, awesome. and it's the only Tarantino movie you have never seen. Is this correct? Um, Yes, except, wait, there might be one other that I'm missing. Are you kidding me? I what? Know. What is wrong God. with you? I'm a Tarantino fan. <laughs> and I haven't seen two of his films. What's I, that all about? Well, that's good, though, because look, we... I saw Four Rooms. Okay. Not everybody okay. knows that that's even a thing. That that is, it a, is thing. a thing. I, I feel like my nerd cred is still valid. But you're not even supposed to have nerd cred on this podcast, so oh. it doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, so well, uh, never mind. So yes, you are right. Jackie Brown <laughs> is a Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, without going too heavily into spoiler territory, um, I think it it's really hard. To pick a favorite Tarantino film, if you're a fan of mm-hmm. Tarantino, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because most of his films are pretty awesome in in many different ways, uh, and and yet on certain days of the week, this is probably my favorite Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's what do I want to say? Uh, what what you want to say is this is the one Tarantino film that is not fully written by Quentin Tarantino. Yes, it is a movie that is built on an Elmore Leonard novel. And, who wrote uh, Get Shorty, for those of you who, who know what Get, that is. Get Shorty and various other like-minded uh, pieces of media. And um, so there are a lot of really typical t- Tarantinoisms that aren't present very heavily here. It's got a very different okay. feel from a lot of his other movies. Oh. But it still has pretty much the same, you know, general vibe. And it's very much in Tarantino's alley of interests. It is, although yeah. I think it's the one Tarantino film that if you just sat somebody who knew nothing about the film down in a room and had them watch it with with the credits scrubbed and said who directed it, I don't think they would immediately predict yeah. that it was written that it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Um, so that that makes it really interesting. As always, Tarantino gets really amazing casts together. <laughs> um, and this is certainly no exception. Uh, there are Actors who you will find in most of his films, and uh, a few actors, and this is going to be our first, our first sort of maybe halfway foray into black exploitation, and we should probably may, it, perhaps yeah. explore that more with our next film. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> black exploitation would be a yeah, a good. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a genre that we have not yet delved into uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and there, we're not 
going to delve into it here, but Tarantino but is clearly dipping his toes. Yeah, there. I mean, just by virtue of casting who he did as the lead actress, Pam Greer, who came out of the black exploitation genre, um, and you know, showcasing her in this movie, he's referencing a whole backlog of material that is, you know, not you know, just by virtue of having her in the movie. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as with any Tarantino film, half of what he does is he kind of establishes audience expectation based on a bunch of other movies that they may or may not have seen. Mm-hmm. By casting Pam Greer, he puts the audience's mindset into that black exploitation kind of kind of film, and even though it, it doesn't follow those rules, he can kind of uh, create homages to black exploitation by putting her in the film mm-hmm. uh, which is i mean that's that's vintage that's that's textbook tarantino tarantino is all about this sort of uh almost incestuous relationship between his movies and every other movie oh yeah um, he's he's andy warhol uh, of movie making you know mm-hmm. he, he he uses other pieces of art as building materials and and he does so very. It's it's not theft and it's not exactly homage. It's like literally taking, building junk art. It's like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I was going to say the same thing. He takes yeah. he takes a whole bunch of disparate pieces of art and shoves them together in a way that makes a new piece of art that is simultaneously all of them and none of them. Yeah, and um, and you know if you sit down with Tarantino and say okay tell me where your references are and he'll just sit down and go okay that bit's from Gone in 60 Seconds and that bit's from this movie and that bit's from this movie and that bit's from this movie and there it's just a big assemblage now and the mastery in what he does comes from it comes together into something completely new mm-hmm. and that that happens in Jackie Brown too but as I say in a way that is demonstrably different mm-hmm. from pretty much anything else that uh, Quentin Tarantino has done and it may, it's one of the reasons why it's my favorite just because when you sit down and watch it you're like this is really a different take from what Tarantino typically does yeah. but still uh, really enjoyable so I look forward to watching this movie we should probably just shut up there yeah. and uh, let, let everybody including Jenna go off and watch Jackie Brown will be back in just a mere second in just mere seconds through the magic of podcasty magicness I gave my heart and soul to you back. Samuel L. Jackson has said motherfucker a lot of times. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson uh, was Samuel L. Jackson in Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. A lot of people smoked pot. Well, actually only two people smoked yeah. pot. Then, but, now they think but they about smoked it. enough for everybody. Yeah, no. The, the yeah. two people that smoked pot smoked a lot of pot. <laughs> um, and uh, Jackie Brown got all the money except for ten percent. <laughs> so uh, that shouldn't be spoilers. You should have already watched the movie, so right. that's fine. So Jenna, <laughs> yes, uh, this is one of the two uh, Tarantino films that you have not seen. The other yes. we determined, by the way, during the break, uh, Django Unchained. So that will certainly go on the list. That's mm-hmm. on the list. I make no promises to keep. Well, that we're going to do that soon, just so you have to watch it for this okay. goddamn podcast. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what did you think of Jackie Brown? I really liked it. Um, I I can definitely see 
knowing going into it, knowing it was a Tarantino film, being able to be like, obviously this is a Tarantino film. Sure. But if I didn't know it ahead of time, I'm not 100% sure I could have picked it up. Um, There's certainly Tarantino like, touches. Oh yeah, it, the, yeah. The, the the title, the white titles on black, the the use of music, the mm-hmm. you know the, See, how it goes all non yeah. non uh, sequential at the end. Yeah, the non sequential thing. Like I was really surprised up until that point. I'm like, this is all in sequence. It's a, it, <laughs> I can follow the timeline. I'm very confused. It's linear storytelling. Yeah, right? What's going on right now? Yeah. What? Um, so yeah, like a, a lot of those those elements came out, but um, the story itself had some Tarantinoese to me, like especially right at the end. But I still don't feel like, except for De Niro shooting the chick, um, there was a lot of the random off the wall stuff that happens. Like mm-hmm. all of it was reasonable. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is the yeah. only film that he has, has to this point done that is an adaptation of an existing work. Okay. Yeah. So it's an adaptation of an Elmore Leonard novel. Um, Called Rum Punch. Have you seen uh, Get Shorty? I don't think it's so. It's got John Travolta in it. Yeah. Uh, What's well, good? Does he dance? No. No. Yeah, then I probably haven't. Okay, seen. well, that's on our list. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, as, as we make strange movie connections, but get shorty. Uh, for those for those listening, is an Elmore Leonard uh, novel, probably the best known, I think, film mm-hmm. adaptation of Elmore Leonard. And he does these uh, what I would call he writes crime comedies. So usually you're not he's not dealing. It's not like The Godfather. You're not dealing with the top of the heap criminals. You're dealing with kind of the middle management guys. Uh, and usually there's there's one of these criminals. Uh, frequently there's a criminal who's kind of your your point of view character, the one you're kind of pulling for because they're kind of the. And Jackie Brown sure. is that character yeah, for obviously. us. Yeah, She's she's your middle level criminal. She's not all that you know. She's she's not into killing people or anything like that. Really, she just you know she's just looking to make herself a little bit of money. Uh, mm-hmm. Get out of the get out of the flying down to Mexico uh, flight attendant kind of kind of thing and into maybe going to Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you know, and that, I mean, that's the important thing in any kind of film like this is often, you know, you're looking for somebody that you can kind of relate to, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not a criminal killer, murderer, awful person. You know, well, no, neither is Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown's a, a flight attendant who's getting a little extra money by helping, helping out a, a dude who is a pretty shady, creepy character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're pulling for her because, you know, you don't want her to end up like the guy in the trunk. Um, mm-hmm. So. Which, by the way, um, I, I have a secret love affair of Oldsmobiles. <laughs> uh, I, I've owned, like, four of them. And I just, I don't think I'll ever be, I'll like, uh, late 80s specifically. Because mm-hmm. uh, they got a lot of space. Yeah. Um, I just went from an Oldsmobile to an SUV, and I feel like I have the same amount of space. <laughs> That's like, probably about right. About right. About right. Um, and I always jokingly refer to it as the the dead hooker trunk, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah in, in this case, hooker, but in the, yeah, in this it's case, a dead Chris Rock. Chris uh, Tucker. Chris, Chris Tucker. 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 Chris Tucker. You're right. I know it's hard to hard to forget, hard to remember. Well, I switched it's the Chris names. Chris Rock and Chris Tucker. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, but uh, no. Uh, so. We've got, you know, certain Tarantino actors. You know, obviously, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is kind of a favorite of Mr. Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, he pulls in some other really amazing actors, Bridget yeah. Fonda, mm-hmm. uh, Robert De Niro. You've got Chris Tucker in a really small role. <laughs> tiny, tiny yeah. role. Just and and uh, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yeah. And we then, just saw him Birdman. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got uh, Pam Greer, who yeah. is, again, uh, black exploitation icon. Yeah. That he brings in. I think of the next, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but then I think our next movie is going to be a black exploitation film because <laughs> it's a good it's a good way to go from here to a good, good segue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, also, another reference to that era is uh, the presence of Sid Haig. He was the judge in the courtroom scene. Uh, so he appears just once, but uh, he was in several movies with Pam Greer. Um, he, several of these movies were filmed in the Philippines and kind of came out of the uh, the family of people making movies for um, Roger Corman. And, you know, back when Pam Greer was doing these movies, she caught, like, some sort of horrible tropical disease in the tropic, in the oh, wow. in the Philippines. She nearly died. She was blind for a little while. Oh, you know, but it, these movies were made with very low budgets and not with the best oversight. And But, I mean, going back to where I was going with this, Sid Haig uh, was notably in a movie called Black Mama, White Mama with uh, Pam Greer and okay. that... Black Mama, White Mama is pretty much exactly what you think it is. It involves women in prison in the Philippines, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's, where, that's where the ploitation part comes in. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Apparently, uh, Sid Haig got uh, Tarantino hired Sid Haig without telling Pam Greer. So, like, they showed up on set one day. And went, oh my god! <laughs> Aww. <laughs> He's also referenced in another place, like that list of tenants on the apartment building. You see S. Hag. You also see J. Hill, which is uh, Jack Hill, which was one of the uh, directors from that era. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, again, you know, Tarantino, he has this tendency to, even in this movie where he is telling what is mostly a linear story, story, and the only point where he goes from a linear story to, and I haven't read the source material, but I kind of wonder if the source material is is where even though it's like i know tarantino tells the story this way but i can totally see the source material doing three chapters that tell you the three ways the you know the perspectives of those three mm-hmm. groups groups mm-hmm. or individuals as they go through that moment so that you kind of go oh i thought i knew what was going on and then i thought it was something different and then i realized what was actually going on right um which you know is it, it's it's clever what i enjoy uh what what bothers I guess what I should say what bothers me with some movies, especially like with uh, like Bond films where I'm always like James Bond knows knows what he's doing and 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 there's always a moment at some point in the film where the only reason he succeeds is because of dumb luck mm-hmm. and I always want to see a Bond film where James Bond doesn't just succeed because of dumb luck he succeeds because he's really competent and maybe yeah. I'm not sure if it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But he is always sure it's going to work out. And that's the thing that I, I find very entertaining about Jackie Brown, is we get to the end of the movie and we understand that literally every step of the way, she was in control. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We just we just didn't necessarily know where all the pieces were on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. But she was 100% in control of the chessboard to the point that she was moving the pieces on both sides of the board. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I love that the characters around her are also very smart. Yes. And but and but she is just 
giving them enough information from the other side of the chessboard to figure out where they're going to go. Sure. And, and Matt, yeah. the only person who's totally in on it, as far as we know, is Max. Yeah. We can reasonably assume that she's told Max pretty much her entire plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even to the point that when you're watching it the first time and you see that De Niro's character sees Max, you're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. They're fucked. And it's like, no, it was absolutely necessary that De Niro's character saw Max. Yeah. That was not an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or, or when you're watching... Uh, when you're walk, watching Jackie watch walk out of the department store and she's looking super, super worried and you're thinking, oh my God, she's panicking mm-hmm. yeah, because she's afraid that something is going to go wrong. It's like, nope, that's not it at all. Nope. Mm. That, she's playing the part. She is, she is playing the role. She's playing everybody perfectly and I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, oh, and by the way, that the music during that scene is from Coffee, which is another one of Pam Greer's older movies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, lovely. There, there, the soundtrack is loaded with references to her. There, there's a track where um, she she sang on. There's another track, the the Across 110th Street song, the Bobby Womack song. She yeah. used to sing backup for Bobby Womack when she was in college. Oh <laughs> so, my god, really? Yeah. The so, whole movie is yeah. basically Quentin Tarantino bowing down at the altar of Pam Greer. Yeah. Uh. It, I mean, even to the point of the character in the novel is white, and the last name isn't Brown. Um, so Tarantino changed the race of the character of Jackie so he could pa- uh, have Pam Greer in it and changed the last name to Brown to reference Foxy Brown, another one of her movies. <laughs> I know of Foxy Brown. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. it really is. It's like, it's like Quentin Tarantino said, what I want to do with this movie is just bow down at the altar of of uh, Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the the opening shot, the opening credit sequence is just, hey, everybody, look, Pam Greer's in this movie. Well, Tarantino... <laughs> By the way, if you didn't get it, she's still yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Pam Greer's still here. Tarantino has this enormous talent for reviving ailing acting careers. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you saw it with Pulp Fiction, with John Travolta, and he pretty much launched uh, Samuel L. Jackson with uh, Pulp Fiction. And Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of redefined Bruce Willis one of the many times he's been mm-hmm. redefined and you know with this it was Pam Greer and Robert Forster the who played the bail bondsman and Robert Forster like was so down on his career that you know he didn't even have an agent at the time and Tarantino approached him to be so there was the no movie. one to take 10 percent <laughs> indeed <laughs> but Robert Forster is one of those tried and true character actors if you look him up on imdb he's in like 170 movies and oh wow yeah, i'm just yeah, looking been, at it now he's yeah just, he is, he has been working since the 70s and but but there's yeah. there's a pretty he's big uh, it's a lull yeah until but, he hits jackie brown yeah and, then, and he and he shows up in jackie brown and boom he gets an oscar nomination for his nice. acting yeah so, so you know he yay so and that's something Tarantino does regularly because he really, uh, as a director, I think one of the the reasons that uh, he is so impressive is he really pulls terrific performances out of most of his actors. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, he he knows how to get a good performance out of an actor, mm-hmm. um, and you you see, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of actors that do great work outside of a Tarantino film, but it's kind of like every now and again he goes back and he finds somebody and he's like, I just want to remind Hollywood 
why this person was amazing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like David Carradine in Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. It really feels like in Kill Bill, he's just like, I, I don't know if anybody noticed how fucking awesome David Carradine is, <laughs> but I'm going to spend an entire movie, two, two. movies, yeah. two movies, in which I'm going to remind Hollywood how awesome David Carradine is. I'm going to revive his, his uh, career just long enough for him to kill himself by autoerotic autoerotic asphyxiation. But um And oh by the way, Daryl Hannah's still around too. Bing Yes. <laughs> in case you didn't know. In case I know you, didn't you know. I know you thought she was darling in splash, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna turn her into a cold hearted assassin. Or or in Django Unchained, you have, hey, you know, we've got this Leonardo DiCaprio guy. What happens if we let him play the villain? Yes. <laughs> it, oh. it just yeah. it, it, he gives actors these wonderful meaty roles and gives them enough room to work and magic happens yeah yeah pretty much um, every single time it's it is uh as i say it's it's one of his gifts i mean he mm-hmm. and and he also discovers people christoph walls mm-hmm. uh in inglorious bastards he wins mm-hmm. an oscar for inglorious bastards that's basically the first i believe it is the first english language movie that he makes I believe I think uh, you may be right, and, and also with within Glorious Bastards, you have, hey, let's give Brad Pitt a character actor role and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Brad, we just want you to show up for a little while. Yeah. For this movie, and, <laughs> and we want you to chew scenery. Yeah. All right. Brad, Brad says, okay, yeah. I will do that. Um, for Walls, you, Tarantino. All right. <laughs> Walls, of course, has gone on to multiple Oscar nominations. He's mm-hmm. gone on to a lot of different roles in, uh-huh. in American film. Uh, again, it was Tarantino that, that did that yeah. because he yeah. coaxes a really great performance out of somebody that you thought you knew, and uh, you find out that... Yeah. Uh, I honestly... Getting it, back to this, uh, yeah. De Niro's role. De Niro... Yeah. It, uh, number one, I, I haven't seen a lot from him, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the type of role that he was playing—just well, yeah. this this schluffy nobody. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a stoner schlub. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he's a tiny character. Um, whereas usually when he casts De Niro, he is the star. Is the you person. get De Niro and you you headline that man. Certainly yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, he he was doing stuff like Goodfellas and Casino and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all. He was a star pretty much since Taxi Driver, and he had this has been a star ever since. Mm-hmm. And here he is doing a character actor role. Yeah. But just and the type of character too. It's just schlub guy. Yeah. It's not it's not the kind of character that you really exactly. expect mm-hmm. of De Niro at all. And yeah. and that is again Tarantino <laughs> pulls that out of people. Yeah. And or, gets, or even Bridget Fonda, who hasn't had quite a, st- a stellar career as some of the other people who are around her, but you know, she's from but. the storied Fonda family, you know, with Henry Fonda and Peter Fonda and Jane Fonda, they're mm-hmm. all related. She's married to Danny Elfman, and uh, you know, she's gone on to do movies like Lake Placid, uh, Simple Plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you see her around, but well, she's got the biggest. The biggest yeah. problem with Bridget Fonda yeah. is that in Hollywood, once you reach the age of thirty-six, exactly. if you're a woman, yeah. you don't get roles anymore. Yeah, and Bridget Fonda is over thirty-six, mm-hmm. so which which is interesting because i was thinking about this while we were watching the movie pam greer was damn near 50 when she made this movie. yes she was which is 
wonderful, I think. Yeah. You know, and and they address that she's older, but she's not playing a matronly character. Yeah. You know, she's she's talking about she aging. She gets hit on. But but she gets hit on. She's be- you know she's beautiful. She's competent and sexy and she's beautiful. But, she's not but skinny. She's, she's a yeah. She's yeah. allowed to look fifty. Yeah. Damn good fifty. And but, still be yeah. an object of affection to yeah. you know to Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. The you know the movie, it passes the Bechtel test in that there are some women in the film that have names and they talk to each other and they don't talk about guys, mm-hmm. but you know it's one of those movies where it's like even if it didn't pass the Bechtel test, mm-hmm. it would still yeah. be a a really strongly woman driven film. I mean this everything that everybody is doing in this movie, mm-hmm. everybody is being manipulated by by Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jackie has, you know, as soon as she gets nailed in that airport, you know, and it's it's kind of that interesting thing of when he, she, when they sting her in the airport, what they don't understand is what they've unleashed on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, because because until that point, she's kind of just coasting, mm-hmm. and then she's like, oh, well, fuck it, if I'm going to go to jail, I'm going to go big. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go big. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to because. She gets screwed because if that cocaine doesn't show up in her bag, mm-hmm. then they really can't do anything to her. Right. So that cocaine shows up in her bag and she's been screwed by somebody. She already knows that Ordell is going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's virtually guaranteed that that's what he's going to do unless she can manipulate him the way she does. Mm-hmm. At some point, he's going to get spooked. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the fact that that Tarantino takes this story that is, I, from my perspective, pretty much a hundred percent driven by the one character, which is a woman, yeah. mm-hmm. um, is is great. And it's a forty four year old black woman mm-hmm. who's not just skinny as a rail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like, would would any other director but Tarantino have the guts to do that? Yeah, I, you know, I've always said Tarantino's a remarkable director for women. I mean, you see that across all of his films, with the you know exception of Reservoir Dogs, where women don't exist. But um, you get well, there was a woman in Reservoir Dogs. She got pulled out of a car. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't there's, have a line or anything. There's a waitress. No, there's, yeah, that's true. They talked about tipping her. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But you, and they point, talk about Madonna a lot. But anyway, your point is well taken. But anyway, well taken. But anyway yeah. you know, you get in in Pulp Fiction. There's a whole array of female characters, and you know, ranging from Uma Thurman's character to mm. the the pregnant wife of Bruce Willis to Esmeralda who drives the taxi to, and mm-hmm. and in all of Tarantino's movies, there's this broad array of really interesting well-defined characters for women and they're just as interesting as the men and kill bill is another one that's kill driven almost entirely phenomenal. by women yep yeah yeah and um, it's and it's great stuff it's all great stuff yeah uh well and they're obviously in inglorious Bastards. i was about to say like we could keep shoshana. going yeah, <laughs> yeah. shoshana and i forget the name of the other woman but yeah, uh, that that other character always yeah. fascinates me because that actress basically the only other thing anybody knows her for is National Treasure, <laughs> and it's like you know, well, you know she's yeah. fine in National Treasure, and then she shows up in a Tarantino film. You're like, oh yeah, she can act too, huh? Who knew? Funny that. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, no, no flary nostril. Nick Cage. She's she's here mm-hmm. in in the middle of Germany, <laughs> being a big old resistor. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Um. Oh. So what what else do you have on your notes there, Melissa? I want to make sure we don't miss any of the patented real education Melissa notes. Oh, we've run through a lot of them. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Samuel L. Jackson's career because. Um, <laughs> Mr. Jackson, who... <laughs> if you're nasty. <laughs> he, he's, that, he, way to pull of, a reference. <laughs> <laughs> so Samuel L. Jackson, um, speaking of older actors, uh, didn't actually really start his acting career until he was about 40 years old. You know, he, up until then, he was doing, like, bit parts or body double sort of work in Hollywood and on TV, but he... His first big break was in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, which was in the very late 80s, uh, playing the DJ. And after that, he had a few more, you know, larger and larger roles. And then Quentin Tarantino came along and said, hey, let's do Pulp Fiction. And that just and that, made him that, a that star. catapulted him into A-list, and he's, yeah. he's been there ever yeah. since. Yeah, and it's been interesting watching his career just progressed since then and he's he is a fun actor as you know people already know but i mean he makes movies because they're fun mm-hmm. and he you is, can tell he loves oh, yeah. he's a major he's and i uh, th- this is you know name dropping melissa and i have been in the room yeah. with samuel jackson yeah. once yeah uh, and, and he is he's a, a major nerd, nerd. He is he's a, a nerd. film nerd yes. like you would not believe mm-hmm. uh and and uh, so you know he's the kind of guy that it's like you can really see that he just is fucking overjoyed that he gets to make movies yeah he he, yeah. Um, he was just delighted to be talking in front of kingsman which is the premiere we were about to see and uh which if yeah, you haven't seen that by the way oh go see Kingsman. that that's a fun or, well movie. no rent kingsman at this rent point. kingsman yeah but uh but yeah yeah he he makes movies for fun he has a stipulation in his contract you know the movie set needs to be near a golf course and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> he just it's like yeah this one looks fun i'd like to do that Ooh, there's a new Star Wars movie. I'd like to do that because <laughs> I'm a nerd and I want a lightsaber. I wanna, I wanna be that person. Like, oh, oh, Mister. Uh, I'll do this one. Mister Lucas, one. I will do that movie if you give me a purple lightsaber. Yeah. Well, they're only blue or red. No, I want a purple one. <laughs> Therefore, he gets a purple. Samuel lightsaber. Jackson gets a motherfucking purple lightsaber. <laughs> yes. And you know the thing about that. I mean, we're, now we're going into Samuel L. Jackson territory, but which is fine. Oh, so like when he gets pushed over the edge, like and he falls, you could picture him coming back. I I like, have I've always felt you. that. Uh, <laughs> In the Star Wars universe, we need to discover at some point that Mace Windu did not die. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that he went into hiding like some other Jedis uh, when the Emperor took over, and that he is still around in Episode Seven. That. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that doesn't yeah. happen, I'm going to be a little disappointed with J.J. Abrams. I'm, I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because uh, because really. You, we need to find and a way to bring and Samuel it's not L. Even Jackson. The character. Back in. It's the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is playing that character. And if anybody could bring that back, it'd be Samuel L. Jackson. Exactly. Yeah, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. So uh, I think uh, we've reached the last last of your notes, Melissa. Mm -hmm. We've probably reached the last of the podcast. So uh, yeah. 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 Do you have something? I do have one thing. What's your one thing? There were, there are, even though this is a story that is not based on the Quentin Tarantino universe, 
there are many references to other Tarantino movies. What? Yes, I know, right? Mm -hmm. The white Honda that uh, Jackie Brown's driving around yep. for part of the movie, that's the same white Honda from Pulp Fiction that ah, Willis is it. driving around. I knew it, around. I knew it, I knew it. Okay. Um, let's see, yes. the, the black suit that she puts on, oh. it's the same, pretty much the same black suit that Uma Thurman was wearing in Pulp Fiction. Sure. It's the same black suit that you see Ellie Driver wearing in Kill Bill. Um, a bunch of stuff like that. You know, yes. little things, little things, locations pop up here and there that are the same. And Tarantino does, that does, does actually show up in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the voice on the answering machine. That's right. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah. He has his little candy. a little hard time catching it. But. Yep. All right, so final thoughts. Jenna, final thoughts on Jackie Brown. I love that the guy did not get the girl. I love that there was... <laughs> Tension and and whatever. And I, I love that she at at the end. <laughs> spoiler, uh, Kate. It was like you know. Did you feel used? Did you you know like checking in on him? And it's like they knew that there was there was that tension and everything going on. And they you know she she acknowledged to him like yeah I saw it. Um and that you know yeah there was a little making out. But I I love that 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 didn't actually become. And now you will get the relationship that right. you know, blossoms from this bizarre twist of whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe later. She did ask him to go to Spain with yeah, her. Yeah, I'm just she saying. Did. He turned her down. Yeah. yeah. If nothing comes of it, it's all his own goddamn fault. Yeah, it's true. And, I, but yeah. I, I love that it wasn't, this is all now fantasy, happily ever after, sure. whatever. It was, and everything was still great at the end. It wasn't, you know, um, the, the, the Disney ending, but it was still good. It doesn't have to be, a, you know, a pumpkin carriage riding off into the sunset. Like, No, it was, it was an Oldsmobile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I also love that Robert Forster ends the movie with lipstick smeared on his face. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, I, th- there needs to be more lipstick smearing in movies. Lipstick I mean, right? that needs to be acknowledged more often. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. I, I um, was re-watching Four Rooms recently, and there's uh, the Antonio Banderas kiss... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and she just comes away with her lipstick perfect, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that whatever. doesn't happen. Whatever, <laughs> you gotta go reapply that, honey. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I think I've only seen that happen twice in uh, movies. There's huh. this movie, and there's uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. Okay, um, so final. Oh, are you not done with your final thoughts? No, not quite. Cause, okay. Because I was like, if Antonio Banderas uh, was gonna kiss me, I would make sure that there was lipstick smeared all over. Oh yeah, just so. yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, P.S. You, Antonio Banderas, you want to come make out with me? We'll we'll talk. <laughs> All right, Melissa, final thoughts. <laughs> um, Pam Greer actually auditioned for a role in Pulp Fiction. That's how really? she and Tarantino first really encountered each oh. other. Uh, she auditioned for the Patricia Arquette role. Oh. Oddly nice. enough, yeah. So there you go, and then, then mm-hmm. things worked out better for her. In the Indeed. Long run. Yeah, I um, want you in this one. I'll get you your own movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that happens a lot in the Quentin Tarantino world. How do you, how how do you like feel rejected at the, like oh I didn't make the audition and then later oh well well that worked out. <laughs> it, I think that also happened to Robert Forrester if I remember right. Mm-hmm. He also uh, uh, auditioned for Pulp Fiction and didn't get in. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, I I mentioned in the opening that you know on certain days this is my favorite 
Tarantino film, picking a favorite Tarantino film is really an unfair yeah. thing to do. Oh, yeah. But uh, I really enjoy this movie. It's surprising to me how I mean, it's about two and a half hours long and it really moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're done, you're like, I didn't really feel like I spent two and a half hours watching a movie. Right. Um, and uh, because we watched this film, we felt that the next movie we should watch, we should kind of do one of those things where we go in sort of a relationship arc. So uh, the next movie we're going to watch is going to be Foxy Brown, starring yes. Pam Greer. So I'm excited! We hope you join us for that next one. Uh, apologies that we missed the uh, last episode. For those of you uh, 12 people that are listening to us <laughs> religiously, every 15 days we missed one. We're super sorry. Oh. So we hope Is you enjoyed Jackie one? Brown. And we will ba- we'll be back with Foxy Brown in approximately 15 days. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education.